Hi, everybody. Welcome to In Social Work. I'm Peter Sabota. Our podcast is getting a makeover. We'll be expanding our focus, our format, and our website, among some other changes. And you'll see this all rolling out during the summer and the fall. In the meantime, here is a new episode that was recorded before we started this evolution. Hello from Buffalo, and welcome to In Social Work. This is Luann Back, and I'll be your host for this episode. In this podcast, Dr. Laura Johnson describes the Domestic Violence Response Team program, findings from her research project examining factors that contribute to police officer support for partnership interventions are discussed, and implications for social work practice and policy are summarized. Dr. Laura Johnson is an assistant professor in the School of Social Work at Temple University. She was interviewed by Dr. Shanta Murshid, associate professor here at the UB School of Social Work. Today, Laura Johnson will be talking to us about a research project she conducted to examine the current state of the Domestic Violence Response Team, DVRT, program in the state of New Jersey. As part of this study, she explored the organizational structure of the DVRT, the nature of collaborative relationship among domestic violence organizations and police departments involved in the implementation of the DVRT, and how to measure the success of the program. Laura will talk briefly about her study findings and then focus on the collaborative relationships between police and domestic violence organizations, a finding she found to be particularly interesting and recently published in an article on the journal Violence Against Women. And this is a really timely topic given the current state of the world, the BLM movement in particular. And so we are very excited to have you, Laura. So our first question, can you tell me about the research project that the data for this study came from? Sure. So in 2018, the New Jersey Domestic Violence Fatality and Near Fatality Review Board received some grant funds from the National Domestic Violence Fatality Review Board to support some research that they were interested in. And so they partnered with the center that I worked at at the time, which was the Center on Violence Against Women and Children at the Rutgers School of Social Work for some research projects that were aimed toward answering some research questions that were of interest to them. And so we were able to do three different projects with them. And the first looked at a unique domestic violence police response model being implemented in New Jersey. The second looked at how public high schools across the state are implementing teen dating violence prevention programs and response. And the third project, which was the one that I will be talking about today, looked at the state's domestic violence response teams. And so that intervention in particular was one that the board had identified over the years as having the potential to play a role in preventing lethalities. And so there was sort of anecdotal evidence that this could play a a key role in, you know, supporting survivor safety and connecting them to resources. But there was no formal research done in the state about the state intervention. We were able to, you know, take this opportunity to learn more about the domestic violence response teams. Wonderful. And what sparked your interest in this topic? So an area of research that I am particularly interested in is interagency collaborations and coordinated community responses to domestic violence. And so this was an intervention that I observed was functioning in New Jersey. And in the literature, there's a lot of evaluations of coordinated community responses that have been done over the years. 
But findings of them have been mixed, and there's a lot of variation in what the models look like. So knowing that in New Jersey, the domestic violence response team was a mandated intervention. It came about in the 1990s as part of the Domestic Violence Prevention Act. I was interested in learning more about the program and how it was working. And as it turned out, in New Jersey, there hadn't been a ton of formal research into this. So it was an area that everyone was equally interested in learning about. Could you tell us more about the domestic violence response team, the DVRT intervention that you looked at as part of your research project? Sure. Like I mentioned, it was implemented in New Jersey as a result of a mandate that came down through policy. And so the policy says that each police department should either develop their own domestic violence response team or participate in an established team. And there's also some training components as well. So the general structure of the program is that in each county, there's a domestic violence organization. And that organization generally has a coordinator who oversees the response team. And so the response teams themselves are typically made up of volunteers. And so then they collaborate with the police departments in their county for implementation. Generally, each police department also has a police liaison who's involved in that collaboration. And while there's variation in how it actually gets implemented, the general idea is that when the police go out to a scene, if they have the sense that a survivor will be going back to the police department, that generally they would be activating a response team member to come out to the police department Mm -hmm. and meet them. And so while the survivor is there, the volunteer and the survivor could meet privately in a separate room and go over some things such as resources and the criminal justice system with really the goal of decreasing some of the trauma associated with domestic violence helping survivors to make more educated decisions about their options and really helping them to understand what access to resources are available and really making those connections as a crisis response. Wonderful. And what were you interested in learning through this project? What were your outcomes? The things that we were really interested in learning about broadly were to get an overall sense of the functioning of the response team. Like I said, that there hadn't been any real formal evaluation of it. And so There was sort of anecdotal information about how it was working, but really having something to document how it was working and what were the strengths and challenges that were being experienced. And we looked at the organizational structure, the volunteer recruitment and management, and just kind of the overall nature of the collaboration. And so to get that information, we interviewed 24 individuals, 15 of which were response team coordinators, and nine were domestic violence police liaison officers. And the police were a lot more challenging to recruit. And were there any findings that you thought were surprising or unexpected? Yeah, I would say that what I actually published on in the article in Violence Against Women that just came out were some of the findings that were particularly interesting to me. That in particular was not something we explicitly asked about, but what we found when we were analyzing the data is that comments frequently came back to the factors that fostered police collaboration with the response. While there was technically mandates that make this participation required, it's actually a lot more nuanced than that, as most things are. Some of the things that we found as motivating factors included these four areas, and one of which was the perceived benefits to police response and investigation. And some of those were really practical. It keeps the victims occupied while they're at the police department waiting for the officers to do lots of paperwork when they go back. 
So with the thought of that is, you know, they're there and while they're just sitting there, it would be great if they were able to have something beneficial come from that time. That was one perceived benefit. And the fact that officers usually had the opportunity to participate in training with the domestic violence organizations, especially the liaison officers, they would be able to go to the 40-hour training, which those who did said that they learned a tremendous amount from such an extensive opportunity. It also uh, helped victims strengthen statements, for example, because it helped to calm them and they understood more about the process. So in addition to those benefits to the criminal justice system process, there's also, of course, the benefits to the survivors themselves, and in particular that it really clarified the criminal justice process, especially around protective orders, which can be really confusing, and it helps provide survivors with resources that sometimes they're not even aware are available to them. Interestingly, the need to comply with mandates did come up, but the thing that I found was sort of funny about it is that when people were talking about where the mandates came down from, people talked about a variety of places, and so some people knew that it was a public law. Other people said, like, oh, I think it's mandated by our prosecutor or the police chief. While there's a definitive need to comply with mandates as part of it, some of it was you know, not even really where the mandates were coming from. Right. And the fourth, and I think, of course, is last, but definitely perhaps one of the most important, is the recognition that it really is a serious crime. And Mm -hmm. so it did come up that a lot of times, even when communities either didn't have a domestic violence response team or they did, but it wasn't really being activated in the way that it could be, having something occur in the community was really an impetus to looking at the response as an important and critical intervention and utilizing it more for recognizing that each time an officer responds to a domestic violence incident, there's the continued possibility of escalating, and that can lead to significant injuries and fatalities. And there was an acknowledgement that it really needed to be addressed with the same resources as other crimes that officers were investigating. And the other piece that I didn't talk about in the manuscript, but that I also found to be interesting, it came down at the policy level, but really the ability for the counties to implement the intervention varied. And some of it was just really basic pieces, like the demographics, for example, of the community. Some communities are a lot smaller, they're a lot more rural, and it's an intervention primarily that requires volunteers. And so for some communities, it was harder to keep the volunteers because of either there were too many cases coming in where you know they, they were getting called out a lot or they weren't getting called out enough where then people would just kind of lose interest because they weren't really getting utilized. I thought that that was sort of interesting because I think, oh, it's a great idea. You know, volunteers are getting involved and it provides an opportunity to people to support the community. I mean, even the efforts that the coordinators had to go through in really maintaining a strong group of volunteers who are actively engaged required a lot of time commitment. Right. Well, I can see many ways in which this is a very social worky issue, but could you still talk about, you know, why this is an issue that social workers should be concerned about? Sure. And I think as you touched upon right in the beginning, right now, this conversation about the criminal justice system and police and social work collaboration is really at the forefront of every area in the U.S. It's definitely Mm -hmm. come up a lot in social work as well. And so I really focus on how it works in the context of domestic violence. But I think what we've seen in domestic violence that kind of transcends other issues as well, I would think, 
is that there can be value in such collaborations, but there are also certainly challenges. And some of what I found in this and other research projects that I've done around this area is that establishing trust and building relationships are really crucial to that effective functioning of interventions like the domestic violence response team or other collaborations, especially when you have professionals with different overall goals and philosophical values. In those areas in particular, I think that leadership is really important in helping different groups to recognize collaboration can be beneficial. And in general, in a lot of areas, violence against women included, we're working in these silos. And I think social workers are really uniquely poised to make these connections across organizations and sectors because I think as social workers, we come to a place where really we have the best interests of the people that we work with in mind and that you can kind of help to break some of those barriers that come from different philosophical values in the sense of your job is to do this, but the place that your job is to maintain safety while our job is to protect victims. And so how can we meet in the middle and find a way to do that? And of course, it's not that easy, but I think it's an important step that communities try to make. Right. And what are some practical implications of the research for policy and for practice? Sure. So I think for research, one of the things that I have found to be interesting and important is that these systems, such as the criminal justice system, uh, Mm -hmm. are so complex that having one approach is not going to solve everything. Each intervention, I would say, has the potential to connect survivors with resources and provide some clarification around the process, which is really important. One of the things that I found is that there have been a lot of different research projects that have looked at the effectiveness of these interventions, but the research really kind of varies because the interventions vary, and rightly so, because they really need to fit with the community. But I think really trying to disentangle what about these interventions work mm-hmm. really kind of in the sense of looking at the implementation and what are the key components needed to be effective is something that is of interest to me. Mm-hmm. I think another important piece, which is also probably one of the more challenging pieces in research, is that the survivor's choice is really important in domestic violence and, you know, when navigating the criminal justice system and these coordinated community responses. And a lot of the research does include more administrative data because it's a little bit sometimes easier to access and less intrusive in a way. But, you know, having a full array of data points, including survivors' voices, is important in gauging how the interventions are working. And so that's something that I'm also interested in. Right. What can social workers offer in this area? I think as a profession, we're talking a lot more about the role social workers can play and whether they should play a role or not in the criminal justice system. And I think we have a sort of a broad debate that's been going on in the field right now. And I think it's really complicated. But at a minimum, I think that there's no right way or wrong way to collaborate in communities. It's really going to vary depending on where a community is in the spectrum of building relationships and trust. Bridging the gap and really starting those conversations can be an important first step. In some communities, unfortunately, the police department or the prosecutor's office might not be the best group to partner with initially, but maybe there's other people in the community that have that shared interest in supporting, in the case of this work, you know, survivors of domestic violence or whoever that population is. 
And that's where the collaborations can really start and they can build from there. And, you know, then sometimes there's administrative shifts and maybe there's somebody who wasn't so supportive initially. And then, you know, the next person who moves into that position can get on board and join that initiative as well. But I think that in general, being able to provide survivors with more opportunities and options is always beneficial. And again, that can look different because not everyone has the same level of resources or they start out at the same place. But I think it has the potential to provide necessary information and resources and connections that can be crucial in a survivor's decision-making process. Going back to collaborations a little bit, if I may, in your experience, have you seen social workers and police officers collaborating in a way that you think produces, say, justice or or even meeting survivor needs? Yes, it's complicated, and I think it's really community-based. So I have seen some police departments that are doing really, really great work where they're really trying to be survivor-centered. At least the challenge for these types of collaborations and one of the debates in the domestic violence field even is those policies like mandatory arrest, for example, where on the one hand, it takes a survivor's choice away, which some argue is a bad thing. Some say it takes the survivor's choice away, which can be helpful for the survivor because it, you know, takes them out of it. And none of these are easy choices. And I think to some degree, it's always going to come back to what lens you're looking at it in. But I think that there are definitely collaborations out there where everyone comes to the table with a shared respect. And from there, they're able to work together to discuss cases and to have a shared responsiveness to if something goes wrong as part of the collaboration, there's enough trust that that can be communicated in a way that creates a stronger system without severing any potential relationship. I mean, it's not easy to get to that point, which I think is one of the challenging pieces. But I think especially when you have the right group of people together, it definitely has been done in different communities. Right. Well, I ask because justice means different things to different people, including survivors. And I wonder whether their definitions of justice are taken into account. What's next for you in terms of your research in this area? For my particular area of research, I'm interested in coordinated community responses kind of broadly and some of the systemic functioning. And so some of the things that I'm really interested in are looking at kind of what those key components are. So looking at ways that different groups of people can collaborate and work to build relationships and what level of coordination is necessary to really achieve a common goal if it kind of runs on a spectrum. And then also doing some more evaluation work. I think the point that you brought out is the what we do not have, especially in the evaluation of these particular interventions, is a lot of survivor feedback. And mm-hmm. so while research really runs the gamut in terms of what outcomes have been looked at that far and how the data has been collected on coordinated community responses, and so you have the administrative data from police departments, you have the administrative data from victim-serving organizations, You have a handful of studies that have collected data with survivors. The outcomes really have varied. But because of that, I think that there's still a lot we don't know about the overall effectiveness and what the best practices are. And so that is an area that I am interested in. One of the things that I think 
is interesting also, like I had mentioned, is that this is a state policy, but just because something comes down as a policy, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be implemented the same across departments or that all communities have the same access to resources. And so I think with interventions like this for domestic violence or for other violence against women areas, it is particularly important to have that administrative support from opinion leaders like prosecutors or police chiefs who can really diffuse that information. In any work that I've done where I've looked at how to foster more survivor-centered perspectives in police departments, a consistent theme was that the police chiefs and the prosecutors really played a key role in fostering that mentality within the community. And I would say that that's one piece that's really crucial And also, in general, the field of violence against women has struggled with funding availability. And so I think really for these interventions to be implemented at the highest level of functioning that they can, they need the resources to be able to do that. And so I think that those are particularly important to interventions like the domestic violence response team and other community collaborations. Well, good luck with that research. I look forward to hearing more about that and, I guess, reading more about it once you publish. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. You've been listening to Dr. Laura Johnson discuss her research on the Domestic Violence Response Team Program. For more information on this episode, please visit our website at insocialwork.org. And please join us again at In Social Work.